All right, here we go. Awesome. All right. Um, so welcome back, film noobs, to this week's episode. Um, I am here uh, in my room across the nation in Texas while our guest, our special guest, is in California. Um, I am proud to introduce um, a prolific uh, director, producer, because I was looking at your MD, IMDb, and it seems like it keeps going on and on and on, which I, I love. Know. But <laughs> what really drove me or attracted me to you was the fact that I saw the poster for your film. And I was like, this has got to be something that I missed from the 50s because I love 50s sci-fi. But anyways, um, I'll let you introduce yourself to to everybody here. Um, go ahead, Michael. I film noobs. Uh, I'm uh, Michael Callio. I'm a writer, a producer, a director, an editor. Sometimes I act. Uh, sometimes I sing. Sometimes I dance. Usually uh, it takes a couple of drinks for that. But <laughs> uh, I'm a filmmaker. So that is me. Now, the movie we're talking about, the one I told you about that, that automatically attracted me to watch it was Mutant Swingers from Mars. Mutant Swingers from Mars, yeah. My, uh, I personally, one of my favorite projects that I had ever done. And to, to this day, yeah, it was such a, an easy show. A lot of people are like, oh, you probably worked really long hours and, and it, it took a lot of energy now. No. It was like hanging out with friends and making a movie. It was I, it was like the Little Rascals. Let's put on a show. <laughs> it, it came together very easily. The money felt, the, what money we had. We didn't have much money. We, movie was shot for 22 grand. Oh, that's that's pretty cheap. On, on, on film. On film. Oh, so it was shot on film because that was. was the question I was going to ask you about, but we'll get we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, we shot we shot it on sixteen millimeter black and white mostly, and so some color, but mostly black and white because uh, I wanted that feeling. I my my director of photography George Lieber was like, "Oh, we should shoot in color and we'll desaturate." And I'm like, "No." Ed Wood was shot in black and white. Yeah, when Frankenstein was shot in black and white, yep. we got to shoot this movie in black and white. So. The long lost movie, I I uh I twisted his arm. He's like, all right, it's gonna be harder to sell. I'm like, I don't care. It's gotta be shot in black and white. You know, well, fuck it. Since we're already on the subject, I'm just gonna continue with the whole thing. Because one of the things uh I was reading some of the comics, and, and I apologize to everybody because right now I know Michael and I are both suffering from allergies and stuff. So yeah, if we sound a little weird or we start coughing or sneezing, we apologize for that. Uh but anyways, uh when I was reading some of the comments, one of the things that stuck out to me, and, and I kind of wanted to know also, was that they're like, oh, you know, uh, why didn't he shoot it in, in 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 film? And it looks so crispy. It doesn't look, you know, traditional uh, black and white renditions. So let me ask you about that. You said you shot it in 16 mil. Yeah. But it looks so good. What was Yeah, so you know, you know, it, it was the funny thing was, bottom line, um, we shot it in film, but I never cut the negative. We we cut it digitally. Okay. So the the negative was never really touched. And then when I had the opportunity to up-res it to HD, we did it in 2K. And uh, part of me was like, I should make, I should give it some treatment and make it look older. But it looks so damn good. I, it does. I 
Yeah, I couldn't do it. I was like, I'll do it a little bit here and there, but I couldn't do the whole movie. I couldn't give it scratches and dust and, and blotches. I just couldn't put myself to do it because it looks so nice. So <laughs> it does. And, so. and it doesn't look like natural film. And we all know what natural film looks like. You know, you see sure. little articles, you see all these little imperfections that make it perfect. Uh, but this one, again, it looked really crisp, really clean. And so I understand now you did the 2K up-res from a digital uh, negative rather than... Yeah, a- from, the, from the negative, we had transferred from the negative to 2K, and then I reassembled the movie. Nice. Which nice. wasn't a lot of... It wasn't a lot of negative anyway. I mean, we when we shot that movie back in 1998, seven, 19, late 97, early 98, uh, we hadn't touched the negative. We, we shot the film, and the negative went in the can, and it was transferred once wow. to a beta SP and then we caught digitally caught on an avid you, you back back in it, it's been in, it's been through various um editing systems an avid final cut i think at one point uh a, a lightworks we went through a lightworks thing um but yeah the negatives never touched so it was still in pristine condition it was kept it was kept in a in a in a um a storage facility for many years. Yeah. So it was it, it hadn't seen the light of day until we like reopened the the boxes and we we're like we we're transferred to 2K and it was less than ten thousand feet of film. Oh because so we, we 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 shot what we shot basically what we shot is what you see in the movie. Okay. There was very, there were very few extra takes. There we didn't do a lot of takes for because we couldn't afford it. <laughs> you know so we shot like an ed wood movie it was like okay perfect moving on you know that yeah. was great that first take was great well i screwed up here i don't care it works for the movie it works for the movie yeah. now that's another thing did you take into consideration the fact that it was something like an ed wood movie to where it's 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 raw it's it's there you captured it move the fuck on yeah your plan from get-go or was it like well yeah. okay that's our budget that's what we're working with yeah you have two, two mental there was definitely um uh a pre-thought when we started shooting the movie it was like we got to shoot this like an edwin movie fast and furious and cheap because we had sets we shot the we only had two locations we had the bar location mm. which you see throughout the film yeah we shot that in a day because we couldn't, I don't think we went back. I, I only think we shot there a day. We might have shot there a day and a half, but we really couldn't afford to go back. Because we, we didn't pay for it anyway. Um, we got it for free, but we had, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we had sets in the round. So, because I, I was working in a studio uh, in Farmington Hills, Michigan, called Illuminations. My buddy owned it, and um, we built the. Um, mad scientist lab set and then on over here to the east we had um the uh like the the uh the, we call it the do all set it was like living rooms offices things like that it was a, a quick switch around then to the south we had the spaceship interior and then to the west we had like backdrop world which was that forest yeah set and um we would just be like, okay, who's here? <laughs> who, who, what actors are in the building? Okay, we're going to shoot Mad Scientist? Great. Okay, now we're going to shoot Office? Just turn the camera. 
So you did it like old TV style where they had, or, or actually the old studio film sets where it would be a roundhouse yeah. from, from one to the other, to the other, to the other. And it was just a constant you yeah. know, shooting day. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, it was like, who, who do we have on the day? You know, what, what can we shoot right now? How long do we have this actor? They have to go to work in an hour. Okay. We got to shoot them out. Um, so it was, it was, uh, a labor of love. We didn't shoot, uh, we, we shot less than 10 days. It was like nine and a half days. We didn't shoot in a row, like a, a, a big chunk of it. We shot, um, meaning what, uh, we shot the bar stuff. Then we went to the studio and we shot like three or four days. Took a couple of days off, shot another day. Um, the the holidays came around, Thanksgiving came around and yeah. and Christmas and we and and New Year's and we just took a break. And then in January of ninety eight, we shot the the last few days and had the movie in the can. I mean, it was a very like I said, it was a very easy it was the easiest thing I'd ever done. Man. For being like I had I'd made my first movie, Hatred of a Minute, that Bruce Campbell produced and yeah. uh from there, we had, I had film left. I had this idea, like, let's make a 50 side. <laughs> and it just kind of fell into place. And a lot of the same people, crew wise, and that jumped on board because they're like, this sounds like a lot of fun. And, and, and it was, it was, it was really, I, I was blessed with a great crew, a great, great cast because they, they all got it. Yeah. They all went, oh, yeah, we're, this is, this is a love letter to these stupid movies. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it all fell into place. It was a very, it was a very easy, fun show. I, I do Lucky like, man. I, I, I love the fact how you took the documentary part of it and kind of, I don't know if, if, if you shot it that way to where it's the film, but then you have the documentary part of it and kind of infused it to kind of almost seem seamless. Um, to me, because I'm I'm looking, your release date was 2009. Yeah, that's when that's when it was officially done. Okay, <laughs> and that and that just means we screened it. I I tweaked it between then and now, but we we screened it the big the big screening where I was like, I'm not going to touch this movie anymore. Yeah, which was right. a lie. It, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I tweaked it a little bit. I didn't do much to it, but it uh, it was um. We screened it at uh, San Diego Comic Con, nice, and their film festival, and uh, we had a nice turnout. And uh, fight, fighting the noise of the giant line outside, but it was it was a fun turnout. And uh, then I just started putting it in a film festival. Since then, it, it played Scream Fest the next year, and it's played it played. I think it's played like fifteen or twenty different film festivals over the years. But I won a couple of awards, but. Uh, no, no, nothing that made me rich yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're filmmakers, so yeah, we we don't we don't get rich off this shit. Well, unfortunately. <laughs> now, um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, okay, writing the script to filming it. What was your process? I think I wrote the first draft in like three days. It just kind of fell out of my head. Like I said, it was a, all very kind of serendipitous and 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 fun and just an easy thing because 
as I was writing the script, I was just like, it doesn't have to make sense. It can be dumb. It can be silly. You know, that's why at the end, spoiler alert, at the end, Rusty is talking to Air Force pilots just like, hi, guys, how's it going? You know, it's ridiculous. But, you know, that's that's where good com. I think good comedy comes from a lot of times. It's just pure ridiculousness of the situation. And those 50s sci-fi movies with their their science and, and fact and things that lends itself really well to just being silly. Yeah. And, and fun. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, it, it was like I wrote in three days. I left it alone. I looked at it. I was like, this is kind of funny. I, I tweaked a few things, but we between writing it and making it was like two months. We it just it just happened. It was one of those things. It was like it was meant to be. Yeah, and and you were just on for the ride, and and there was no there was no real stopping it because once we started, it was like we have to finish this. <laughs> and, and and the goal, the original goal, was to try and make a movie as fast as humanly possible. Write it, shoot it, edit it, sell it, but it took a long time to sell. Long because the no, one there's no, no there was nobody in it at the time. I mean, yeah, no one knew who the hell Jack White was until he was Jack White. Yeah, um, he. I mean, he, it's funny. He even signed his contract as John Gillis, his real name, and in oh. parentheses Jack White. And then when he the the line when it says how, how do you want to be credited, it's Jack White. Um. That yeah, I, it was it, it all happened so fast. Unfortunately, it just took a long time for the movie to get released. Now, so. once you released it, how long before you actually got picked up and got that that almost not notoriety because it's not really notoriety, but that that how can I say that quantifiable like oh, it's a film, it's got distribution, it's worthy so forth and here we go it it now it's on to being cult you know movie ish yeah 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 um it, it took many years i mean we uh, it was released during the pandemic of april in april of 2020 it was like officially streamable um so how many years is that so it took a long time yeah from but, 98 to 2020 yeah yeah 22 years yeah wait no is that right yeah something like that i don't have my phone on me where's my oh could do calculations let's try it this is yeah this is the fun part of the show folks where mike calio does stuff on his calculator on his phone i'm i'm the same way i'm more clicking away 22 years 22 22 years baby oh yeah because you said you said uh yeah. Okay. 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 Damn. Twenty-two years. That's I didn't give up on it. I that's, I tweaked I tweaked it a lot, but I didn't give up on it. That's a labor of love, right there. Especially as a filmmaker, most of us would have been like, "Man, fuck it, dude. I made the film. I, I put it out. Nobody likes it. I'm, I'm done. It's gonna shit sit on my fucking hard drive. Sit on my sure. computer. It's done." At least most of us would have said that. I couldn't. I because I thought the film. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I I think personally, it's my some of my best work. 
I'm very proud of it because it makes people laugh. There's some people hate on it and whatever. There's a, there's a, there was a distributor that was like, I hate this movie. And I was like, well, you must not like fun or laughter at all. You must be a, a, a bitter man. And he was yeah. like, I'll, I'll never release this. I, I hope nobody releases this movie. I was like, wow, that's kind of rough, man. And I think it was, I think part of it was like, he it was like a movie he wanted to make all his life. Yeah. yeah a little bit of that jealousy there, which is fine, whatever, you know, be jealous or, or just enjoy the movie for what it is. It's, yeah. it's not rocket surgery. It's, it's a dumb, it's, it's for, college students to roll a joint and drink a beer and laugh at, you know, yeah. it's not, I'm not curing any major diseases with it, except for sadness, maybe. maybe but yeah. uh, I, I, I loved, I love, I love, and to this day, I'll watch a fifties movie and I'll be like, Oh, I, I stole that from here. <laughs> you know, the little ideas and homages. They're just, I, I just, Watching those movies, and I, I would I, and not even jot down, but like jot down in my head, like, oh yeah, the, the, uh, you got to have wires on the spaceship because otherwise, really, I, I was reminded of the old kaiju films when you would see Godzilla. Oh yeah, suspended off. Yeah, it looked like a, a maquette, but he's yeah. a real person, but he's suspended off wires. And you can see the you clearly see the wires. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I was like, ah, oh, when I saw that, because several times you had it. Where you could see the little spaceship and it's dangling off the the little fishing wire, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. this is so freaking awesome! This is just great oh, yeah. here. We uh we we half our budget, half our twenty two thousand dollars went to a high tension fishing line. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you use little little uh, I guess flying saucers or or the full blown or how'd you do your your tricks? No, they were miniatures. Here's here's the funny thing. So this place, Illuminations, I worked there. Yeah, I helped build sets. Uh, you know, when I wasn't trying to make movies, I was working on commercials and and uh, you know, we we made a um, what's the term up that uh, installation. It was a big safe door for uh, for a lottery thing for some trade show, and we did stuff like that. We we built um, a a miniature forest in the children's section of a library in Farmington Hills and. One of my coworkers took a Furby and ripped it apart and made it turned it into an owl that was motion censored. So when the kids would walk in the room, it open his eyes and it hoot. So we did stuff like that when we weren't working on commercials or movies or whatever. There was all of this stuff laying around: props, furniture, um, miniatures, and one day my my buddy Rolf, who's producer of the film and and the production designer who owned illuminations rolf was like we need to clean this place up there's it's getting too cluttered because he bought it from someone and inherited all of this stuff yeah and we started looking through the storage rooms like what we could get rid of what we could salvage what was junk what what we could be cleaned up whatever and there was all of this science fiction stuff and i'm like what what is this a matter of fact it's funny Miles it turned into Milestone Creative, but Illuminations slash Milestone Creative. They had in the corner for it was all dusty, tarped off. Had this machine. I'm like, what is that? And then he's like, Oh, it's a motion control system. It's like one of the first motion control systems. I'm like, what did they use that for? Flesh Gordon 2. Flesh Gordon meets the cosmic cheerleaders. 
So everyone knows about Flesh Gordon being a very popular X-rated movie. Yes. <laughs> and they made a sequel. They made an they made a hard R-rated sequel back in the day. And it was a motion control system that the old owner bought from uh, Industrial Light and Magic. And it was used on the original Star Wars. It was just corner collecting dust. And no one knew how to work it. So we never used it. He ended up selling it. But all of the science fiction stuff, or the majority of it that was laying around was from Flesh Gordon 2. So there were all of these buildings and spaceships and and things that looked phallic and sexual. And we just, I was like, we can make a movie with this stuff. Let's just tear it apart and like kit bash it and put it back together and make it less obviously sexual and make it look like real fifties, like hardware sci-fi stuff. And that that's what we did. We, 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 as we were going through all of the stuff that we had, I was like, there's a movie here. And that's what inspired. So prior to, prior to shooting, I will say it took more than two months. I wrote the script and for three months off and on when I wasn't working for Rolf, I just go into the shop with a a couple buddies and we look through stuff and, Oh, Hey, here's this cool space, space gun. Let's put more stuff on it and make it look more fifties. That's what we did. And we tore ships apart, glued stuff back on them, found, found set pieces and things like that that we could utilize and then my buddy John, basically single-handedly, my buddy John Broadley um, built the mad scientist lab uh, with the cage. And I'm like, I need a, we need an eight. I, I drew it out for him. I'm like, make this. And he put a great, I, I, it's one of the best things ever in that movie is that silly little set. And I'm like, I need a door here and I need a door here. Why? Because the running back and forth gag is fun. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, it's so, like old Scooby Doo show. You're like <laughs> exactly. So uh, the set was built, and John did a fantastic job. And yeah, that that's that's it, again. It was meant to happen. You know, all of these things were just there. Why throw them out? Let's make. Let before we throw them out, let's utilize them one last time. Let's make something with them. Then somebody spent time building this stuff let's revamp it and use it for our own purposes and then we'll throw it out but we never did i was going to ask you about that did you keep any of the old sets or props uh i've got what do i have i i I used to have the the alien heads those were borrowed actually again serendipitous when i was writing the script i'm like my aliens need to have giant heads i had made i had helped sculpt giant heads for a grocery store commercial grocery store yeah they had the apparently aliens go grocery shopping at what was it giant foods uh on the east coast and they shot this random grocery store commercial in michigan and my buddy roger white who's a special not a special he's retired now but he was a special effects one of the only special effects artists in Michigan, yeah, kind of a, a surrogate father to me. Asked me, called me up, said, "Will you help me with these giant alien heads?" So I went over there and helped sculpt the cast one one weekend, and um, 
I called him when I had written the script. I was like, hey, Roger, you still have those alien heads? He's like, as a matter of fact, he was going to throw them away. Man. And uh, I was like, don't throw them away. I, I need them. And he's like, all right, come. I, I need to borrow them. He's like, come get them. So we had them for a while. I gave them back, but they're probably gone now. Um, I have some of the guns. One of the guns I bought at Universal City Walk. And when before I lived here, I was on vacation. I was like, you know, those guns you'd click and sparks would. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those that I painted, added a couple things to. I still have those. What else do I? I have the moon. The moon's in my storage unit downstairs. Oh, nice. Um, I want to light it. I want to figure out a place to put it. Put a light in it. It's pretty big. Matter of fact, when you see the moon in the beginning and it's moving, that's. That's the lead actor, Michael East, who played Rusty. Yeah. He's holding the moon and he's just moving sideways. <laughs> and to be credited as um Wrangler. Moon, moon Wrangler. Moon Wrangler, yeah. <laughs> Got to put it in the movie, but um there's a Blu-ray coming out very soon. Uh a special edition Blu-ray with a documentary about the making of the movie and Bro, you gotta, you gotta let me know when you come up with that. Hey, or maybe I'll put this on on the uh, on the DVD too. By all means, do so. If you're more than welcome to, because this is this is so great. Because again, when when and I did a cheesy movie, not not as good as yours. Uh, mine was Lowriders versus Zombies from Space, but I had the same thing. That the whole just the title alone, I wanted to capture somebody to watch it. I figured if I could capture somebody to watch it, I might have a chance. Sure. But with yours, Mutant Swingers from Mars, I was like, fuck, okay, you capture me with the title, you capture me with the fucking net, with the with the poster that's very 50, 50, 60, you know, sci-fi stylish, especially with little pop-up heads and everything. I was like, dude, that's so crazy. And then bam, I start playing it, and here comes this this universal music, ominous, you know, uh, orchestral run, and this guy's like well today and i was like oh dude this is so freaking cheesy i fucking love it thanks man i appreciate it i like i like i like people I, matter of fact uh it's i like showing the movie just so i can watch the audience yeah i had um i we we did a one of the festivals we did was zed fest that's here in burbank and uh i don't know i don't remember the one girl who couldn't stop talking to me about it she was some scream, uh, an, an aging scream queen, but she was hanging out with um, the girl who, the woman who played Dante's girlfriend in Clerks. Okay. Uh, and they were they were both in love with the movie, and I was like, "This is kind of cool." Like acknowledgement from independent actors and like minded people. I I, I appreciate the uh, the love because. Movies are hard to make. They are. This particular one was not. <laughs> I, I, I can go to my grave and say, like, one of the easiest things I ever did in my life was to make that movie because I'd show up. I was I, in my first movie. I acted in it. Yeah. I was the producer. Um, I, I I was uh, I was terrified because I was it was my first movie. I was overwhelmed at times where I, I was I was. I was directing several people um, and I, and I, you know, it's something I've always wanted to do. I mean, I started making movies when I was six. 
So I like pointing a camera at people and making them do dumb stuff. But, uh, you know, because all this is, is, well, all right, you pretend you're cool and I'm going to film it, you know, or you pretend you're scary and I'm going to film it. It's all, it's all make-believe. It's pretend. You're playing pretend. Um, it was, uh, it was easy. I walked on set every day and I'd, and we'd just laugh and we didn't work long hours because we didn't have to, we were, we were shooting, you know, such low ratio of film and doing that. Oh, that take was perfect. Well, I screwed that up. The, the scene where Exodor spoiler alert, the main alien goes into the ship and he talks to the, the, the main leader via the, uh, weird phallic, um, television device or whatever it is which is just a street light flipped over and he will eat and he leaves and he hits you see the set shake <laughs> he 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 elbow or he shouldered it and he and he and it's, he tells the story in the documentary his name is bob he's not with us anymore unfortunately but bob is like oh shit i'm gonna get fired <laughs> and and i i yelled cut and i laughed and he's like Oh wait, maybe I won't get fired. And he's like, "I, I'm sorry, I hit the set." I'm like, "No, don't be sorry. That was perfect." Yeah. Moving on. He's like, "But I hit the set. It shook." I'm like, "That's what would happen in a 50 sci-fi movie for real." Yeah. In an Ed Wood movie, it did happen in an Ed Wood movie. A lot of those were shot really like I think it were like most of them were shot in five to seven days, and they were just back to back to back, and there was no. If 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 a set was already built from another movie, they just move into that and figure out how to fit it into the story. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was never any real inclusion of like, oh, we have this, this is and this setup to shoot. No, it was just like, fuck it. Opportunity happens. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a question with with your actors, and this is something that, again, as a director, it, it's not just pointing a camera at somebody. But convincing them that the project or that the character is who that that character is. But in a movie like this, a lot of times they were a little bit over, you know, sure, they, sure. you know, or, or they were very monotone. Sure. Or You know, what I mean, was that your style of like telling him is like, I want you to do this? Or was it something that they naturally brought in? They're like, well. You know, I, I remember the old movies that were like this because we yada yada. Or was it you directing that style of? No, I I had I kind of filled them in early. I'm like, here's I gave him a list of movies to like look over. Um, and what was, uh, my, this? What was that? What was someone? What was some of the movies on that list? Island Earth and uh, War of the Worlds and uh, you know the the movies of that era. Yeah. And I was like, overacting is better than underacting. With like um, Michael East, the lead, a Rusty Rave, Rusty's character, and he he talks about it in the documentary. Uh, he stole he his idea was because he didn't watch he he looked at the list, but he didn't watch any of those movies because he didn't have any time, you know, between making a movie and working and you know trying to survive as a human being. Uh, he stole like when he goes runs into the uh. The Dr. Von Helpsling's office and he's like Doc! He's obviously taking on Marty McFly. Yeah. He's ch he's channeling his inner Marty McFly. Uh, he stole from Greece. He stole from um, 
Rebel Without a Cause. He stole from Shatner. He stole from Jim Carrey. Like he he just took the bits and pieces. He interpreted as an I'm just gonna because it's a homage to movies. I'm gonna pay my own homage to movies as well. Okay. And it felt great. And and with like Colleen, Colleen was just I was like just be, you know, you're happy go lucky. You're a fifties girl, and and you know when you're scared, you're scared, and when you're annoyed, you're annoyed. You know, play it up. So it was definitely on purpose. I wanted people to play to that uh, style. I guess it would be a style or the era of acting. Yeah. A little over the top, especially for those movies. They're, they're, they were all melodramas. They were all really, you know, amped up as far as like emotion. Oh, my God, there's an alien. You know? <laughs> they're, wor- they're worse than the telenovelas on Univision and stuff. <laughs> Por qué? <laughs> But yeah, exactly. I, I, there was this one skit where there's two agents and one of them was talking on the phone. He's like, yes, yes. And and he's very like authoritative, very like whatever. He hangs up and he's like, who's that? Oh, it's mother. Like codename mother? No, it's my mother. I was like, oh, I started laughing. I was like, oh my goodness, this dude's stupid. <laughs> I was like, oh my, oh my. But yes, there's, there's just, there's times where you're like, are these actors really trying hard or just because he was he was very serious very like stoic very da 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 and he hangs up he's like no it's my mother and he walks off and he's like didn't crack a smile nothing just yeah <laughs> yeah and there were a couple of those actors too where they they did they're i guess typecast but not really but you know they look the way they look and they're put into various you know richard jewell who you're talking about he he played cops and authoritative figures and all the time and i'm like oh he's he's one of the men in black he's gotta have some fun all right so that 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 would explain it because yeah he was very men in blackish but it was more of pre men in black era because everybody after men in black the movie they kind of take that as like the form of what they should be whatever but if you go back trace it back to the 50s those guys the suits you know they always were very stoic very like intimidating yeah very scary at, at times you know that, and that's why i wanted to play on all those those tropes because you know and and the whole idea of the movie too is that criswell the real director influenced everyone spielberg stole from him lucas stole yeah. from him Roddenberry <laughs> stole from him ed wood stole from him like everybody kind of took a little piece of orton criswell's playbook and because he was so unknown and and ripped them off because that's what I think that's what true artists do. They they don't steal. They pay homage. Yes. All right. Uh, what's the name? Uh, damn, what I forget his name now. Tarantino. That's what he's always saying. He's like, I don't rip anybody off. I pay homages to them. I'm like, yeah, okay. We we'll let it ride. Yeah, <laughs> let that one ride. Between, between ripping stuff off. <laughs> now I got a question for you. Uh, sure. based on, with the twenty two. How hard was it? Because this is you did this pre-COVID era, um, and it was late nineties versus now. Raising funds for your film back then, and maybe now now because you you do have other projects in works right now. How hard has it been? Or or and you said this was pretty easy, but what are some of the ways that you went through to raise that money? I've always got oh, back then. 
uh, it was my my fundraising technique was knocking on doors. I had a, creating a limited partnership and knocking on doors and going, "Can I have some money?" And it worked more than once. With this particular movie, it like I said, it was like raising money was um, easy because <laughs> uh, I had met this woman named Linda Rosenfeld and she wanted to be a producer and I, she was green and she was hungry and she hadn't done it before. And I called her up and I was like, Hey, you want to be a producer? She's like, yeah. I go, all right. Well, I'm, 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 I want to try and do this project as fast as possible. Yeah. And we, we were only asking for 30 grand. We didn't even, we didn't even make our goal. <laughs> didn't need to. Yeah. Um, and she's like, okay. I said, you know anybody with money? And she's like, yeah, I know some people with money. I was like, all right, well, here's the deal. Here's the prospectus. Here's the, you know, the limited partnership, um, paperwork and, uh, go. And within an hour, if that she had already raised like four grand. Oh, wow. Just call, start calling her. She called her folks, her yeah. folks, some money, her grandmother gave her some money. Some friends in Florida gave her some money. My mom and my grandma financed the majority of it. My my mom threw in some money and my grandma matched it. And we, like I said, we, we had, our, basically we had our money within a week. Nice. That's really good. And it was easy. That was easy. The, the first one was hard, harder, and it hasn't been easy ever since. I mean, trying to raise money for a movie is a, a chore I don't wish on my worst enemy <laughs> because it's hard. I, I, I've been very lucky. The last movie I did prior to this horror movie I just finished, I during the pandemic, I was approached by uh, a, a producer who claims he, he, you know, he's, I save these for first time filmmakers. It, I have a project that has distribution. I, I'm trying to help out this distribution company. With con- this was during the pandemic, uh, because they, they need content. And um, are you interested in making a found footage slasher movie? And I read the script and I was like, it needs work. So I re- completely rewrote it. And the budget was $2,400. That's nothing. That's, uh, that, that's, that's not a, that's not even a good used car. <laughs> but because it had a distribution deal and uh, no one else was banging down my door. I was like, I will accept this challenge and make a movie for $2,500. It was $2,500. I had to pay the other writer a hundred dollars out of my, my budget, which you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But we pulled it off. It's actually on Tubi. It's called the scout. The scout. Uh, yeah. And, uh, not to be confused with the the mid '90s movie with uh, Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser. Uh, this one has a spooky guy on the cover with a with a machete, which isn't even in the movie. <laughs> They've That's, done the that, <laughs> Sometimes it's like, here, take my movie and 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 distribute it, and then they throw artwork on it. And you're like, this, this has nothing to do with the the movie. Yeah, Although, <laughs> that's killer in it. That mask ain't in the movie. That machete ain't in the movie. Mine, um, had a, mine had an atomic explosion in the background. I was like, 
where in the fuck did, did y'all add this to the movie? It's a zombie movie. Wait, wait. It's a lowrider. So how the fuck you get a fucking atomic explosion? Okay, whatever, guys. It, yeah, it's in distribution. That's all I cared about. Good. Yeah, all right. okay. <laughs> uh, are you making any money off it? Uh, about six cents a minute or some shit like that. I still get my rotis check, so that's all that matters. <laughs> um. But uh, what was I saying? Oh, um, the, after that, uh, I screened the random thing is I screened the movie uh, at Screamfest yeah. uh, the following year. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple friends came up to me afterwards. They're like, we want to get in the Mike Calio business. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, we want to finance your next movie. And I've been I've been friends with one of them for a long time, and the other the guy the main guy who dumped the majority of the money in Josh. I knew him. He talked about producing movies, but yeah. you know the a lot, there's a lot of talk in this town. There's a lot of talk about making movies, and not just this town, but everywhere. Yes, but there's not a lot of action. Yes, when the check needs to be cut. <laughs> Next movie, and I'm like, oh, that's adorable. Thinking to myself, this guy doesn't have any money. Otherwise, he'd be financing movies all the time. Little did I know that he had dumped money in other things. And and he's 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 an actor too. And I was like, yeah, yeah. What, what he goes? What do you want for your next movie? And I just made a twenty four hundred dollar movie. I'm like, this guy doesn't have any money. I'll I'll make it easy for him, and yet give him enough rope to hang himself with. I was, I went 10 grand and he's like, okay, what are you going to make? And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a Christmas movie. <laughs> and he's like a horror Christmas movie. I'm like, no, just a weird, quirky Christmas movie rom-com. That's what I want to do next. I don't want to do a horror movie next. I want to do something completely odd, not out of my wheelhouse. Cause I love Christmas movies and the, and the weirder, the better, you know, we have our, he's like, you want to make a Hallmark movie? I'm like, no. Hallmark, Lifetime, they make those kind of Christmas movies. I want to make my kind of Christmas movie. So they, he's like, all right, you're going to have money in your Venmo account by the end of, uh, by the end of, or beginning of December. And I was like, sure, whatever. He called me on uh, November 32nd or what the, like the last day of November. He's like, check your Venmo account. And he hung up and I looked at my Venmo account. And I was like, there's ten thousand dollars in my Venmo account. Fuck! Now I got to make a movie. <laughs> and uh, that's what you get. <laughs> uh, oh, that that hopefully that's gonna be released this Christmas as well. Yeah, if you you, you get <laughs> sometimes you get what you wish for, and sometimes you shouldn't wish for stuff. <laughs> but you no, know, I was like, and now my budgets are just going up because my first movie was. When it was all said and done, it was about a $250,000 movie. Yeah. And then I went from $250,000 to twenty two grand, And then I made a movie for $1,000 that never got finished. But I'm in the process of doing something with it now. Uh, and then, you know, coming out here, I did low-budget stuff. And my budgets keep going up now. So that's good. Now that I'm almost 52 fucking movie business but you're getting it done that's what matters yes you're still getting it done yeah and then the same producer that 
approached me on the scout, came to me with more money uh, at the end of last year and was like, eh, I want to make a horror movie. And I was like, yes. And the budget was very low. It was only nine grand. But uh, that that I just finished it. I'm a little late uh, turning it in, but uh, it's done and it turned out really well. And that's going to come out soon, too. I don't know when. Hopefully this by Halloween. I know it'll be streaming. I hope it'll be streaming by Halloween. Now, how do you deal? How do you do your the distribution part of the film? Do you have somebody do that for you, or do you have hands on? Well, with the scout and with um, uh, this movie, this new, new movie that I just finished called Inner Demons, uh, distribution was already in place. So, which is why I said yes to a $2,400 movie. I was like, well, it's going to get out there. So I might as well do see what I can do for nothing. Yeah. Get it out there. Because I was planning on doing a no-budget movie anyway. Like, I wasn't making movies. And that's why I moved here. So I said to myself, I'm just going to make something. And then this money fell in my lap. And I'm like, well, it's better to make something with a little bit of money. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. So, which is why I took it on. So, uh, with distribution for my first movie, Hatred of a Minute, Bruce Campbell was involved. Anchor Bay was a huge company. Anchor Bay had done all of the um, Evil Dead films. Yeah, and uh, he he made that deal. He was like, "We made you so much money, you got to take this movie." So they did, <laughs> and. Uh, the district I have distribution on um the other stuff I'm doing. I'm doing currently doing a movie uh documentary that I've been working on for eight years called Dinner with a Leatherface. Uh and that just got picked up. They're gonna help finish it. I can't say the distribution company right now because they yeah. haven't they haven't released. Let's just put it this way. They were once a big company. I might have mentioned them earlier. <laughs> maybe maybe making a comeback no. and it's it'll 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 make the trades because this company that i might have mentioned earlier in this program um uh they're making <laughs> they're, they're taking on the christmas movie they're taking on uh mutant swinger from mars as a physical release they're taking on Dinner with a leather face, they're gonna help me finish it. So uh, I I guess I guess I've been pretty lucky with distribution. Uh matter of fact, I have a feeling you your movie was released by Rising Sun. Yes. Okay, so Mutant was released by Rising Sun as well. Yes. Uh is that how you found me? Through yeah, Rising as a matter of fact, yes, because I was I was combing their catalog because I was trying to find again another director to kind of uh interview for the film because normally we we do either directors that i know um sure. or, or that i work with or even from the film festival that we got but i was like well i ran out of people i need new people new blood to bring in and i was going through our, our library because we belong in that library and i was like i saw your poster and i was like i gotta check this motherfucker out because it, it, it's just a beacon right there like oh and so right. I went through their catalog. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, my, I submitted mutant swinger to the horror festival that those guys run. Yeah. 
and they turned me down because I was a day late. And they're like, uh, we don't have a really big venue uh, and you're a day late. And we've kind of got the, the this year programmed. So I was like, that's cool. And they're like, maybe, maybe next year, two years later, maybe three years later, I get an email from miles yeah. saying, Hey, we're, we're distributing movies. I remembered your movie, even though you didn't get to be in the festival, but we want to distribute your movie out of the blue. And I was like, fuck. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> so that, that got distributed streaming. It's never had a physical release. It's funny. Cause people are like, Oh man, I wish, I wish I, had a VHS copy of that movie, like back in the day. And I'm like, I wish, I wish you did too. Cause that would have meant it got released. So yeah. it's finally released. And I, you know, it's funny cause we, I, in 98 summer of 98, me and Pete LeDuc who played Fez Fleckman, the mean swinger and, uh, and Orton Zachariah Criswell, him and I came out to LA from Detroit to try and sell the movie. And we had, we sent out so many screeners and like we had two, we got two meetings and both of them were just like, <laughs> so it was sad. I could have sold it then, but I wouldn't have made any money. And not that, not, not that I'm making money hand over fist now with it, but uh, I probably should have sold it back then, but I didn't. And now here we are talking about it and uh, it's now getting released finally from a company that, is making a comeback that I might've mentioned earlier. <laughs> Not and cool because without this company, there wouldn't be, I don't think there would be arrow video or vinegar syndrome or all of these great boutique Blu-ray companies that have put out special editions with, and yeah. with all the special features, which this disc will, there's actually another version of this movie. Is there? Yeah. There's a, there's a version of mutant swinger from Mars. That's, as if you're watching it with a horror host. Okay. So it's like you're watching it at midnight with like an Elvira. This guy's Tim Quill, Michigan actor, uh, who's no notoriously known as for the playing the blacksmith in Army of Darkness. Uh, and he's been in all the Sam Raimi movies. The, the Sam and Bruce and the, all of those guys went to high school together, Tim Quill included. Uh, and uh, so Tim was in, in a lot of their old Super 8 movies, but I met him, you know, years ago working on My Name is Bruce, and we became friends, and he created a character that was a homage to uh, the horror host that that we watched as a kid. I mean, he was 10 years older than me, but the horror host was named uh, uh, Sir Graves Ghastly. Sir Graves, I believe, did the horror host thing the longest like i think he has a record for being a horror host for like 40 years wow um but he he's sir, sir graves was a staple in michigan for many years uh many generations uh showing bad movies and the weird thing about <laughs> sir uh, sir graves was he um he would do these skits he'd sing standard or lip sync standards by women dressed as a woman 
and uh and and did like these weird uh like he'd, he'd paint a mouth on his chin and flip, they flip upside down and the, the, talk like that like it was the character i think his name was the glob yeah and he'd sing sometimes um just weird like weird skeleton marionettes dan- dancing in between you know the movie segments and i was like we should we should uh, he wanted to pitch it as a series and him and he he played the character um at conventions and things he he called himself count ghastly he was sir graves cousin and <laughs> i was like we should shoot something to pitch it and he was like yeah that that would be fun so we wrote a script aka i wrote a script tim can't defend himself now he's passed away too um but uh he, he he'd come over because he lived in Corona. So he, he lived distance. So he'd come over and we'd write and he'd sleep over. We had some drinks and he'd sleep over and, and uh, we get up the next day and have lunch and write some more. And we ended up shooting the, the majority of it randomly. I went to Michigan for uh, like six or eight weeks for a summer film program that a church put on wow. and I, and I helped teach kids, uh, you know, the, 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 what we did was we did the entire process of making a movie. We auditioned them. We cast them, you know, we gave them, we work with their, their lines, their parents were involved. Uh, and then we shot a short film at the end. And during that time we were there, we ended up, Tim ended up raising a little bit of money. We ended up getting a set build in a studio that was used for Oz the Great and Powerful. <laughs> nice. Which was shot in Michigan. Yeah. And and these sound stages were new. They were you could park a you could park a couple of space shuttles in one of them. And we were in a tiny little corner of this massive studio with our little set and, and completely empty. The rest of it, just completely empty, surrounded by the uh, giant blue screen. And um, we shot this in our little rinky dink. We did utilize the giant blue screen for sure. We shot this little rinky, uh, our little rinky dink set in this massive soundstage. And we ended up doing some pickups here in uh, California in my my ex roommate's uh, bedroom that he barely slept in. And it was just, it was like a mattress and pretty much that's it. Threw up a green screen in there. He lived across the street, uh, got this silly, a bunch of silly sketches and things in homage to Sir Graves Gasly. And we peppered it in through the movie. So when you watch, on the on the the upcoming release, there will be what you saw the eighty six minute version. Okay. Then there's an hour forty seven minute version, and it's what what we added was the the, the Count Gasly stuff. Yeah. So, so like fake commercial breaks and things like that. But he does dumb stuff, and there's little sketches and in between, and and it's all homage to that. And and actually, it screened this this version only screened once. It screened uh, at a pop up drive in in Burbank, 
during the pandemic. And I was like, I want to show this version. Yeah. Cause it's, it's longer, but it's really weird. It's really <laughs> kind of, it's like someone compared it to watching an episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Just like there's so much going on and you're like, it's a little overwhelming because it's, it's just, we just did as much weird things as we could. And I cut that version during the pandemic because what else did I have to do? True. And ended up making the documentary during the pandemic as well. So on the, on the disc, there'll be all these extra features, commentaries, um, two versions of the movie, an hour long documentary on the making of actually a 66 minute long documentary on the making of mutant swinger from Mars, 66 minutes being the exact running time of the movie Robot Monster, which is how this movie started. Me and Pete, who played yeah. Bez Fleckman, he worked at a uh, a health food store called Betty's in Birmingham, Michigan. We had met through the Detroit Filmmakers Coalition, and uh, uh, we started to hang out, talk movies and stuff, and. I would just go to Betty's while he was working and shoot the shit with him and hang out. And our original idea was let's, let's make an indirect sequel to robot monster. And we were at the time we were calling it robot monster 2000. <laughs> and he, and we were really planning it. The more we started talking, the more we, we were like, like-minded as far as we like Frankenstein and we like Jerry Lewis movies and, because the movie is basically the nutty professor in a way. It's my homage to the nutty professor. Um, meets Frankenstein. Uh, and and we were like, we started to kind of stray, stray away from the Robot Monster 2000 thing. Because we we're like, let's just make something that has all of those elements. Those silly, fun, cheesy 50s elements. But make it our own. Like why rely on a on a uh, a notoriously silly uh, quote unquote one of the worst movies ever made, which it's not. It's it's just a, a stupid, you know, guy in ape suit and diving helmet. I mean, that's genius in my eyes. It is. It's it's creative fucking. Yeah. And, and the bubble machine that that I always loved. Like that's the atmosphere on this hostile alien planet. You have a guy in an ape suit and a dynamite helmet with a bubble machine. That's all right. I buy it. Whatever. Whatever works. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were we were kind of like hell bent on doing a indirect sequel to Robot Monster. And then we were like, no, let's just do our own thing. So Mutant Swinger kind of came out of that. Which is I have story. I could David, I can tell you stories for days. This would be like <laughs> No, I'm, I'm loving it because again. It, it 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 goes to the fact that as a filmmaker, most of the time we take ourselves way too fucking serious. Yeah. Like way too serious. And and the fact of the matter is as a filmmaker, our only job is to entertain. Yeah. When you leave that theater, I've either made you cry, made you be angry, made you sad, corny, something. But I, I emoted something from you. And that's my job as a filmmaker. And if you can't sure. do that, then you're not a filmmaker, you know. And this movie made me laugh, made me made me chuckle, made me like, oh my gosh, this motherfucker got away with this shit. <laughs> I was like, so I was I was all over the place, and I loved it. 
and that brings me to one of the last things because again i don't want to take up your time um with dealing with criticism as a filmmaker because of the nature of the film versus again most contemporary you know critics and all this bullshit that you know want to say well you know your movie is not quality because xyz or it doesn't look like it was shot on 50 millimeters or whatever, whatever it is, you know, or the, or you could see the flap of the fucking makeup yeah. because he didn't put it on correctly. Well, it wasn't meant to be put on correctly. It was, it, oh, that, that, was that was one thing. Um, everything was on purpose. The, the makeup guy, he, the first day he did it, he had done it for the, one of the bar, the bar, we shot the bar first. Yeah. And it was, it was, he, the alien comes out. I'm like, wow, that looks really good. And he's like, what's wrong? I go, it looks really good. <laughs> I'm like, it's too good. <laughs> Up. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah, you know, these things don't have to be perfect. This is. This is a this is on purpose. Make it bad. And he's like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm sure." Fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> From the, then on, I was like, I'd be like, "How long on makeup?" He'd be like, 15 minutes." I'm like, "I'll give you 10." <laughs> um, criticism criticism's always hard. I used to take it seriously. Um, I, was, I used to take it personally back back when I released my first movie yeah. uh, through Anchor Bay. It was when Ain't It Cool News was the thing to read. And I was reviewed by Capone, the Chicago Ain't It Cool News main affiliate. Everyone yeah. knew who Capone was. And he didn't like my movie. And, uh, he wasn't kind because I acted in the film too. And I'm, I'm not the greatest actor in the world. Truth. Sorry, folks. I'm just not. Um, <laughs> you just look good. That's all. I, I just look good. Um, I took it. I took it to heart. It, it, it especially because it was my first main review on ain't it cool. Yeah. And, uh, I was a little devastated. Funny story though. Years later, uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, oh, did I drop that name? Oh, uh, yeah, I can't. But he produced the movie. He helped me produce the movie. It's, it's, it's the story is true. He called me up. He's like, proud of it, shit. Of course, I, I get I get shit from some people about it sometimes, but whatever. But I'm um, jealous. I'm like, fuck. I wish I could drop his name a couple of times. Like, you know, I think I, I think your counter is up to let me see about. Ten times you said Bruce Campbell. Oh, there you okay. go. Seven, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say at least two, two more times. Okay. <laughs> he calls me. He's like, "Hey, I'm in town. You want to get together?" I was like, "Sure." He goes, "Um, by the way, uh, this weekend I'm driving to Chicago to screen Bubba Hotep. Do you want to go? You'd be my navigator." I'm like, fuck yeah. So I rolled with him to Chicago, and we were, we were, um greeted at the landmark theater which was several stories high like seven or eight stories high yeah. the theater each floor the mezzanine at the bottom 
greeted by the manager of the theater. And we jumped on the elevator and the manager's talking to Bruce. He's like, oh, there's three guys here. And we're like three floors, four floors up. And we're going up that elevator. And it's a glass elevator. And he goes, those three guys down there, those are the guys that are here to interview you. Uh, one of them's from this rag, one of them's from this magazine, and one of them's Capone from Ain't It Cool News. And I looked down with this big grin on my face. And he looked up at the exact same time. And he was like, he recognized me. Nice. And I was like, boy. And Bruce was like, what are you so happy about? I said, Capone is the one that trashed Hatred of a Minute on Ain't It Cool. And he goes, oh, really? Okay, well, I'll... I'll, I'll let him, I'll make him interview me last so you can fuck with him in the lobby. His <laughs> office and top floor, eighth floor. It was like a door, the management office yeah. and two benches. And there wasn't really a, it was a big floor, but it was just a lot of empty space. There wasn't really anywhere he could go. So I sat next to him. Kind of glaring over at him, staring, smiling. <laughs> He's sitting there looking at his notebook, kind of nervous. And he finally opens his mouth. And he's like, I know who you are. And I said, I know who you are, too. <laughs> and I, he was squirming. It was kind of fun, torturing uh, a critic. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know what? I'm not mad at you anymore. Because I know I could just throw you over into the mezzanine if I wanted to. And he got really nervous. Like, I'm going to throw a man. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't like my stupid movie. <laughs> Your first movie. Yeah. yeah, he was nervous. And I was like, don't be nervous, man. You're cool. And we had a nice conversation. And I talked to him about Mutant Swinger from Mars. And I was like, that movie you'll like. If you didn't like Hatred, you'll, you'll like Mutant Swinger because I'm not in it much. <laughs> and... uh to his credit, and wherever he is, I'm sure he's not writing for any cool news anymore. I don't think anybody is. Uh, he wrote about Bubba Hotep and then mentioned me and how cool I was at no. the end of his article. And I was like, oh, good for him. Uh, I don't, I didn't, after that, that moment, I was like, fuck critics. And every once in a while, I'll read something and I'll be like, what? I I particularly like the the um, bad reviews on stuff that I've done, where I'm like, I don't think they watched the movie, because it's like what what snake, you know, the yeah. snake dumb. There's no snake part in that movie, uh, but um, I don't I don't let it bother me at, the way it used to. I, I you can't because artists look art is subjective we what we do is art yeah is it high art no sometimes no we're making movies we're not curing major diseases and we're making things to entertain mutant swinger from mars has gotten the weird some of the weirdest i've gotten some weird responses just down the line on anything i've done but mutant swinger from mars so i'll give you an example i submitted it to the boston science fiction festival yeah which has been around for almost as long as movies have existed it's been around for a long time it's one of the oldest film festivals in in america and specific science fiction they did not accept my movie 
because I was making fun of it. They're such purists. They didn't. They thought I was shitting on their favorite genre. I'm like, well, no, man, this is a love letter. How are you this, shitting on it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Did they uh, not watch the same shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> then the girl goes, "It's it's chauvinistic." I'm like, "Have you ever watched a '50s movie? '50s movie in general it doesn't even have to be science fiction." Yeah, I didn't say something. I said '50s movie. Period. Yeah, just dude. I mean, the Nutty Professor, the original Nutty Professor, is one of the most the characters, one of the most misogynistic characters on the planet. And I paid homage to it. And I said to this woman, have you seen the nutty professor? And she said, I don't like Eddie Murphy. And I was like, no, no. I, in my brain, I'm like, no, you dolt. Jerry Lewis. I didn't say that. I was like, no, no, not the Eddie Murphy version. That was a remake of a, a classic movie by yeah. Jerry Lewis. Was now, a, I think Jerry Lewis was funnier than the newer version of it. Absolutely. But way more misogynistic. Yeah. And, and uh, I've gotten uh, my, my first movie, uh, Hatred of a Minute, that Bruce Campbell produced. Ah, I just dropped it. Ah, name. there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, was, I was accused of hating women because in the movie, my character kills women and men i killed a couple of dudes too and 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 she was the head of the michigan film office she was like i'm not putting this in a, in a, any film festival i'm involved with because you hate women you're misogynistic and i'm like i was raised by two women if anything i respect women more than the average american kid who was raised but with a mom and dad i was raised by my mother and my grandmother that's the last thing I am is misogynistic. I don't hate women. The, I, have you watched the movie? I kill a guy first. I beat him with the that's with a toaster and then bury him alive. <laughs> and he's not a woman. That was and it was played by Leatherface. The guy who played the original Leatherface. That's not a woman. That's Gunnar Hansen. That's a Leatherface. Big dude. <laughs> I kill him first. Then I kill a couple girls. Then I kill another guy. I'm like, I don't hate women. That's stupid. So I've gotten some weird. A lot of people are like, oh, Mutant Swinger from Mars is misogynistic. I'm like, well, you're reading into it. And it, that, for one thing, Mutant Swinger from Mars is not a movie to read into. Yeah. It is. It is what it is. It's it's uh, no, no hidden messages. It's smoke a bowl, drink a beer and laugh. Yeah. That, it's therefore it's not like well i hope it brings communities together but it's it probably isn't going to um and for the most part i've gotten really nice reviews but there's the the reviewers i just ignore now like people are like oh your movie sucked i'm like yeah probably did matter of fact the scout i like polished films i'm not a huge found footage fan and I'm and slash what how, how, how much can you do with the slasher genre really? Yeah. When it's part 10, you take them to space. <laughs> um but but you know, again, no one was banging down my door to make had me make movies, especially during a global pandemic. So I so I took the job. And and uh, you know, 
people we're screening the movie at Screamfest in the Chinese theater. One of the most, and not the main theater that everyone sees in in movies and postcards, but they have a multiplex upstairs. I'm showing my movie on Hollywood Boulevard at the Chinese theater in a theater that costs three times as much to rent out as the movie cost. And my composer for the film, Scott, my buddy Scott Thompson, I went to high school with him. I was in bands with him. He did the music for the movie. Yeah. I nudged him and I was like, I was my own worst critic. I was like, man, I'm I'm sorry in advance. As the lights are dimming, he's like, What? What do you mean? He goes, I go, This is gonna be bad. <laughs> and and the movie started and people started laughing and reacting. Yeah. And I was wait a minute. This movie is working. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> It's not. It's not the best movie I've ever made. Um, some of some people have disagreed with me on that, which is bizarre. I I find the movie fun because it's again. Uh, when I took the job, I was like, "Can I rewrite the script and can I do kind of whatever I want?" And the producer, executive producers, are like, "Yeah, just as long as you have the same title, which I wasn't a fan of." But it's about a location scout that goes horribly awry. So the scout, whatever. Yeah. Um. And they had to have the same amount of kills. I I threw in an extra kill for them, just for fun. Um, but I I I thought the the movie was gonna just fail. And there are reviews. They're like, this movie sucked, waste of my time. I'm like, yeah, I still got your damn money, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, it's on Tubi now. It's free, but uh, but some people. I mean, it, it actually got a physical release. DVDs came out. Me and my cat, most of my cast, and I was going to say, and crew, I was the sole crew basically. Uh, we we uh, we did a commentary for it. Um, but I thought I thought the movie was going to just be a pile of garbage, and people really liked it. Like I was a character actor by the name of Daniel Roebuck, who uh, he's been in, he was in The Fugitive, he was in River's Edge. Um, he just recently played Grandpa Munster in Rob Zombie's uh, The Munsters. Yeah. He, he, we're friends. He came to the screening. He's a horror fanatic. He's a, he's a monster kid from way back. He loved it. I was like, really? You loved The Scout? I, were you in the same theater? <laughs> he was. I did a Q&A afterwards, and he was there asking questions. Just, how, how the hell did you do this for $2,400? I'm like, I don't know, but it, we did. There it is. Just saw it happen, but um, I, I don't let critics bother me anymore. Every once in a while, I'll read something where I I get a little agitated and be like, "What? What do they know?" But other than that, I'm like, "Let me see how many movies they've made." <laughs> exactly, and I've used that. I'm like, I'm, "I can't wait to see your next movie." Oh, you've never made a movie? All right, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't even bother with that anymore. It's because it's just pointless. Because some people are going to look at the Mona Lisa and be like there's a reason it's one of the most famous paintings in the world. And some people are going to look at it and be like, she should smile more. <laughs> you know, especially nowadays, because anybody can be a critic. Yeah. You have so many websites that have a comment section. This McDonald's sucked. My cheeseburger was cold. 
you know, any, any, anything has a comment section on it, you know, nowadays. So you can criticize everything and people do because they want to be heard. Unfortunately. That's true. That's true. So now again, I'm, I'm not trying to keep you any longer. Um, as far as where can we find your work aside from from the two movies that you mentioned? Um, where can we find your work? Where can we find you? Any shout outs? Like, you know, Bruce Campbell, shout out to him. You know, I don't like that guy. No, I love him. <laughs> I'm like, at this point now, he's family. So I he's he I can't get rid of him and he can't get rid of me, even though he wants to. Or he's tried. He's failed. <laughs> Uh, I would say uh, the Scout and Mutant Swinger from Mars are on Tubi. My first movie is uh, eventually going to get a re-release on Blu-ray through Synapse Films. Okay. Uh, that um, there's no date on that yet because I still have to finish reassembling and tweaking and color correcting and cleaning the film up. I got to restore the film myself because I'm too broke to pay for uh, a professional to do it. <laughs> I gotta do it. Um the uh dinner with Leatherface, where we're hoping for a limited theatrical next year to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the release of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Um, the same company, which I might have mentioned earlier, or maybe not, wink wink, they're they're taking care of that, the Christmas movie and the physical release of Mutant Swinger. Mute Swinger is ready to go. The hard drive is waiting on one last thing, and that is we are currently um, doing an animated music video based on the song Mutant Swinger from Mars by the band The 3D Invisibles. <laughs> I love it. And, and the style, are you familiar with the artist Shag? He does a kind of a 60s kitschy um, style this guy by the name of doug oh, i'm not doug 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 what's his last name i have to look him up i'm sorry i i have to get this right for him You're he, his art is like shags it has a similar look doug mansfield doug mansfield i'll show you doug um doug uh designed a bunch of characters. Okay, I see it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. It's still kind of almost uh I dream of genie, bewitched kind of yeah. yeah. very kitsch. Yeah. Doug did some I actually approached Doug because I loved his work. He's I think he's based in Colorado. And I was like, dude, yeah. you're Colorado based. Springs. Yeah. Did did uh, are you on the site now? Do you see the mutant yep. swinger thing? Yeah, you go into dougmansfieldart.com. Yeah. Yeah, he did a couple he did a couple of um mutant swinger I call them I'm calling them alternative blue uh, blu-ray covers. Um for me cuz we thought I I thought I was going to get a physical release during the pandemic and it just didn't pan out. But um yeah, he did those on spec and I was like, "Dude, you're amazing." And I approached him I said, "Look, I've always wanted to do an animated music video and it would serve two purposes. One, I want to do a show based on the 3d invisibles because they have several songs like 
many albums worth of songs already recorded. Yeah. So it would be like Scooby-Doo meets the monkeys. So this band is gets into these crazy predicaments and they, they solve mysteries. Um, and they, that's what they sing about. They sing about sci-fi and horror. You know, they're, they're another movie you make right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I have, I, like I said, I have, the, I have a whole pitch to do an animated series called the adventures of the 3d invisibles. So I'm like, it serves as two purposes. One, this is a music video yeah. uh, for the song and two, potentially for a, a TV series. And he designed a bunch of characters. Uh, and my buddy, Jeremy Maori, who's a stop motion animator, who's he's actually working on my Christmas movie. Cause in the Christmas movie, there is a, an elf, a stop motion elf that pops up throughout the movie. When the lead character gets a little tipsy, she sees a stop motion Christmas elf. They that's uh gives her weird advice and is pretty sweet. Um, he got me in touch with this uh, woman named uh, Kylie Nagel. Uh, he, he also teaches animation uh, at a college in Burbank here. And she jumped on board to do the animation for the music video. So we got, we got all the special features for Mutant Swinger laid out. The two versions of the movie, the 66-minute documentary, deleted scenes, not that there's really any deleted scenes, um, behind the scenes, auditions. We, we got Jack White's audition. <laughs> nice. Uh, and his his audition and his callback. And um, all we're waiting for, and it was something that was I just, I had given up on. I'm like, ah, the music video is never going to happen, so well, fuck it. And then Jeremy came into my life, and he brought Kylie. Kylie? Kylie. I, I once want to call her Kaylee, because I know a Kayla and a Kaylee. Anyway, confusing. And and your uh, your your watchers and listeners really needed to know that. Um, but uh, Kylie came in and she she's animating. She's not animating as we speak. She's on vacation, but she should be done by the end of the month. Which then we'll drop that last piece on the hard drive and get her going. Get start getting um, Blu-rays out there in the world by a company that may or may not. I may or may not have mentioned that's making a comeback. Nice. Well, once you do make that comeback, or or once it does get released, please, man, let us know so we can damn put it out there, and I can buy my copy and and have it sent out to you so you can sign it for me. Of course. I'm trying to collect everybody that we interview because I'm like, one day one of y'all is gonna make it really, really big, and I'm gonna be like, dude, I interviewed that motherfucker, and he was funny as shit. Of course, you know. Him and Bruce Campbell and yeah, yeah, so forth. I had to drop it for you one more time. So that's perfect. <laughs> will you will you Bruce Campbell? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but but no, in seriousness, I loved your movie. It was great. It was a great freaking time watching it. Um, I can't wait for the actual Blu-ray release of it. Um, with all the extra goodies. I like the idea of having the horror um of Vira kick in it. Because I think it would be, it would actually lead it to the next level. It's already, it, it's already a great film, but adding that extra layer of cheese, extra goodness it's, on it, it's just a lot, of, and a lot of weirdness. Yeah, so I, I could just imagine a lot of Three Stooges gags. There's a whole gag. Uh, do you remember laughing? You're young. 
but it was a show in the 60s where every once in a while there'd be they Goldie Hawn it was one of Goldie Hawn's first things she was in a bikini and painted all 60s hippie and she'd be dancing and then they'd freeze and a door would open on this wall and there'd be a celebrity and they would okay. or, or two celebrities and they would crack a joke yeah, would, yeah I remember that I remember that yeah yeah hee-haw the hee-haw did something similar where it was like some musical thing would go on and they'd pop to a shot of two people and they'd tell a joke yeah and then back we we did shit like that. I mean, it's it's cheesy fun, you know. Uh, and 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 again, we wanted to we wanted to hopefully use the because when he came to me with the idea, he was like, "Oh, we, I'm going to shoot something," and I was like, "Why don't we just shoot enough to pepper in to this movie?" Because if the worst worst thing comes to worse. And no one likes the idea and nobody buys into the idea. Well, I have a version of the movie of this idea that exists. Yeah. We can release that too. He was down for it. So unfortunately, Tim passed away a couple of years ago, but he will live on in the immortal, aside from the Sam Raimi movies, the many Sam Raimi movies he did, he will live on. Uh, as the immortal Count Gasly on uh, the Count Gasly version of Mutant Swinger from Mars. Nice. That's a, that's an awesome way to be memorized or, or memorialized. There you go. That's the correct word. Memorialized in, in, in at least within the contents of our world. Sure. To be remembered that way. That's what the line from um, the un- most one of the most underrated comedies, in my opinion, three uh, three o'clock high. Okay. Pain is temporary. Film is forever. Yes, sir. And with that, I, I want to wrap it up because I know we could keep talking. I can see us now. And I'm looking at my time. I'm like, oh, shit. That's OK. I don't give a fuck. Um, I've had a great time talking with you, Michael. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for, for being on the show, for talking to us, letting us know about your movie. And if you haven't seen it, guys, again, Mutant Swingers from Mars. It's on Tubi. Uh, it's a great time. Like Michael said, you can sit there, smoke a joint, um, have a beer, freaking have a drinking game to it. It, it you could do so much with it. it. It's a great little film. Uh, it's just a homage to fifties sci-fi films. That cheesy goodness, if you love it, because I know most of the guys who listen to us do love those type of films, because that's what we love here, and we always talk about those type of films. Um, so again, Michael, thank you for being on. Um, thank you. Some noobs. Um, if you do get the chance to see Mutant Swingers from Mars, uh, please hit the like, uh, share, uh, review it, do something with it. Don't just let it sit there. Uh, the metadata matters, especially again for independent filmmakers. Um, that's how we get our word out. That's how we we get our movies into the masses. So if you can, guys, again, continue to support independent film. Until next time, next week. Um, see y'all then. All right, guys, keep watching the film. Bye. Hold on.